Bethany Collins is already getting attention for her art, and her book America the Hymnal is central to her exhibition, The Litany, and her show in January at the Art Institute of Chicago, so fancy, will showcase her work, The Birmingham News 1963. Here to discuss all of it is artist Bethany Collins. Thank you so much, and welcome to Vocalo. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You are a busy lady. And uh, a very talented lady. Let's let's go back to the beginning here. We're we're going to try to discuss visual art on the radio, <laughs> mm-hmm. but first, uh, talk to me about how you got here. How did you come to the arts as a young person? What was Baby Bethany doing? Oh, so I'm originally from Montgomery, Alabama. I grew up there, and I went to school in Alabama too. Um, my dad can fix anything. Mm-hmm. He loves to be working in the garage. He has a lot of tools. <laughs> now that they're moving, he's like realizing how many tools he you, has. You, ga- you gather yes. a lot of stuff. <laughs> Um, and my mom has been a painter for a while. She's, um, a, I guess, what you'd call a Sunday painter, but mm. also really creative. I think that combination is part of my making. Yeah. In high school and in college, did you kind of focus in or were you always kind of leaning towards the kind of work that you do now? You know what? I th- studied photojournalism in college because I thought I could make a living in journalism a little bit easier than the arts. It's probably equally as difficult, we've all found out. (laughs) Um, And I interned a couple of summers for some small community papers in Kentucky and Alabama. And the last assignment I went out on was a car accident, and there were fatalities, and I realized this extrovertism is not my strong suit. Nobody wanted me there. I didn't want to be there. It's a hard position to insert yourself in for the sake of the story. Yeah. And so my studio, I get to do a lot of that. Like, I still love the beautiful questions. I love the um, creating a kind of structure for you to travel through the question. Mm-hmm. I don't give as many solutions or, like, answers at sure. the end. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the threads of what I was doing there still continue. You're listening to Vocalo. I'm Jill Hopkins. Here's my conversation with Bethany Collins. I want to talk about uh, America, the hymnal, mm-hmm. the, and the show, the litany. It is is doing great in Miami, and uh, it is not a coffee table book full of pretty no. pictures, which is great because the world has enough of those. Talk to me about this book and 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 the the music and the prints therein. So last year, I made an artist book uh, called America Hymnal, and it's a compilation of a hundred different versions of My Country Tis of Thee. That were written from the 18th to 20th centuries. So this was actually a fairly common practice. I, I had no idea I until I, was, I started reading this. They did it with a lot more songs than you would realize, and it was because, you know, printing wasn't cheap, and so if you knew the tune, then I can change the lyrics. You know the tune. I don't even have to print the music yeah. a lot of times. Or you know the tune, and it's so familiar, so I can change the lyrics and catch you immediately. Um, and get you over to whatever cause I'm trying to promote. So some of these different causes that writers change the lyrics of My Country Tis of Thee were for suffrage, for temperance, a lot of labor versions. There are actually a lot of temperance versions, and they weren't very good. They were all like, drink, drink more water, you'll be happier. (laughs) Um, But there were also these beautifully mournful abolitionist versions and the opposite Confederate versions. Uh And so it's a hundred different ways of thinking about what it means to be American. And oftentimes that is opposing. It's abs- it's like directly in opposition to yeah. another way of being American. So I created an artist book of all 100 versions, and then I left the differing lyrics legible. Like you could flip through the hymnal and read them, mm-hmm. but I burned the music away on every page. So the thing that's 
holding these versions together is gone. It's burned. It's it's um, you can still smell it. Yeah. The char is still there, but the music's not legible. It's the differences that remain legible, and that for me was a way of thinking about this political moment after the 2016 election. And that all the thing that felt like it was holding us together, however tenuous that was, mm-hmm. is absent. Um, and, and what remains are mostly the things we disagree about. So for Miami, I'm actually planning a singing of the 100 versions over the course of a day for two different reasons. So I grew up in Alabama. Yeah. Uh, and I grew up in a very liberal, from Montgomery, Alabama, especially those <laughs> like super liberal uh, Presbyterian church. And every year, annually, they would have a 48-hour Bible singing. And so you'd sign up for your hour and you'd come and read from the text wherever you happen to land. Yeah. Even if it was like 3 a.m. and nobody's in the pews, the text would be being read. And I love that idea of a sacred text Um being spoken into the world, whether anybody's listening or not. Mm. So that's my idea for the hymnal. It's the middle of an art fair. Maybe people will come. (laughs) Maybe they won't. (laughs) I'm sure that they will because, you know, we talk about uh, just the the drastic ways that the the world and the country have changed in the last two years. And it's only been two years. But uh, I, I think that this speaks to the fact that despite the name of the nation, we've never actually been a United States. Never. And I think that folks are really interested in in checking out different interpretations of that fact. So, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be fine either way. You know, there'll be like trained singers and untrained singers. Yeah. I imagine and I'm kind of hopeful that there will be moments when everybody's listening and nobody's listening. And there will be moments when it seems seamless and beautiful Mm -hmm. and when it falls apart. And that feels like a true reflection of who we are. Yeah. Right? Real messy. I'm Jill Hopkins. You're listening to Vocalo. Joining me in the studio, Chicago via Alabama artist Bethany Collins. I uh, I read in your bio, you said that each work you produce is an obsessive preoccupation (laughs) with language. What does that mean? So I just did this series of paintings where I took patriotic songs. So in 1988, there was a book that was published called Cultural Literacy, Mm -hmm. Things Every American Should Know. And there's a thousand things in the back of the index that If we all know these thousand things, then we should feel like we belong together. But it's one person writing these thousand things, and so inevitably (laughs) it's not true. It's not totally true. But there are nine patriotic songs listed in the back. And so I made a painting for each song where I took what was like what felt like some love language in that national hymn, Mm -hmm. pulled it out, and I literally like rewrote that text over a thousand times until it just becomes black noise. It's illegible. You can't sing it any longer. It's now purposeless. Mm -hmm. And the love of it changes into something that feels more like, um, oh, I don't know. I think I like to play between, like, love and indictment. Somewhere between there is the the true spot. Yeah. So I could write that a million times, and that would be deeply satisfying for me. But I need a kind of end game. And so the end game for me is I'll obsess on this thing until there's some sort of pain until my hand hurts, and then I know it's time to let this thing go. Yeah. So I can make a beautiful abstraction as large as, you know, as large as I'm physically capable, but the end game is important so that I know it's it has reached a point of, of transcendence and being valuable. The pain makes it valuable. Yeah. 
This is uh, this is so eye-opening. I hope that we're doing a good job of, I don't know. of describing these things. Because like I said, it's the radio, but I, I we will be sharing all of these It'll things. It'll look with, different in everybody's imagination. They will. That's great. You know. That's half of the that's half the fun. That's true. Now, before we get into uh, talking about uh, your Art Institute residency, uh, racial identity is also a key part of your work. You're black, you're biracial. How do you express your identity and all that comes with it? Mm. So I have a series that I'm still working on. Um, I like to talk about myself through my work. <laughs> so it's Don't we all? <laughs> I know, right? It makes it easier. It deals with contronyms. So contronyms are words that contain their own opposite meanings. Quiddity is still my favorite contronym. Mm. Quiddity means the essence of something and a trifling nothing. So it is like everything and nothing at the same time. That, to me, feels like a way you could be talking about race. Mm-hmm. It's everything and yeah. it's nothing. Um, or 10 other things at the same time. Yeah. It's a um, social construct, but it also rules us all. Everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ravel is another good one. It's to simplify something and to draw it out, make it linear, or to tangle it up, complicate it, like Christmas lights yeah. now a jumble. And the definition embodies both of those things. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that a word can contain its own opposite, but the way that I deal with this language is to print those definitions, the same definitions, side by side, and then erase everything but the opposing definitions, and then leave the opposing definitions legible. And they then just have to abide one another in in tension or in Mm -hmm. peace forever. And that, for me, is a way to also be thinking about identity. It's uh, sometimes it's just abiding. This is Vocalo. I'm Jill Hopkins. Artist Bethany Collins is with me today. Let's talk about uh, the Art Institute. Uh, the Birmingham News 1963 is is your work. This is the mountaintop for an artist who lives in Chicago. This is a huge deal. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Can you tell me about the, the work and, and uh, the phone call that you get when the Art Institute says, yeah. hey, come and show, show here? Yes. So... Yeah, you'll like I, you'll like this, and you probably like journalists tend to know this story. Yeah. yeah. So, 1963, the Birmingham News decided not to report on any civil rights stories that were happening locally. So, the New York Times, the Washington Post, even the Montgomery Advertiser, I think all the other national papers. This is where you get those iconic photographs of the police dogs and the fire hoses mm-hmm. and the protests, thousands of children being arrested, hundreds of children being arrested. The Birmingham News reports on Sophia Loren is sick in bed and can't get to her movie shoot. They give (laughs) above-the-fold importance on the cover page Mm -hmm. to their reporter visiting the Birmingham Zoo and petting a snake. And they talk a lot about it. (laughs) It's a lot of detail. (laughs) And so the work then is actually, I went to the Birmingham Library and looked to their old microfiche um, and found all the cover pages from the spring campaign. So this kind of particularly important moment in civil rights movement and also where some particularly violent moments occur. And I pulled out the pages where there was some particular police violence that was then unreported in the Birmingham News, reported elsewhere, and I blind embossed those cover pages. Blind embossing is when you engrave the text into a plate backwards, Mm -hmm. and then I soak a piece of paper, place the paper on top of the engraved text, and run it through a printing press. And so it forces the paper into the grooves of that engraving. Mm -hmm. And when you pull the paper up, it's now protruding from the surface. So it's like printing nothing. There's no ink involved. Mm -hmm. And yet... 
because of the way it protrudes, it's like a braille that wants to be touched in order to be read and understood. I also blind, I blind emboss it twice, so I mm-hmm. run it through the printing press twice. And the paper's so frail that it doesn't hold up the second time, so it starts to fall apart in different ways. So the Birmingham News 1963 is 18 of these cover pages, blind embossed twice, and they're all falling apart. And they are simultaneously reporting on this incredibly important moment, but in a silent in absence, mm-hmm. right? It's like everything is happening and nothing's being told. So that's the piece that'll go up. Um, I think Jordan Carter and I, the curator at the Art Institute, and I are going to install it next month. And that'll be a very special moment to see it actually being installed with him. I can't uh, I can't imagine just knowing that one of, one of the finest museums in the world is, you know, they want you. I do that shoulder shrug. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, little old me. Oh, of course. Is uh, tell me about your your family and uh, how they react to to this art and 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 you know the people back in Alabama. You're telling tales on them. You're you're Uh, you're showing them themselves. You know, when I did I did a talk at uh, the Birmingham Museum with Natasha Trethaway last year. And everyone from my church, home church where I grew up, from Montgomery showed up. And, um, you know, and nobody was mad. <laughs> you know, it was, there was a lot of goodwill in the room, you know. It's yeah. not like people don't know the story. True, true, true. Um, and if you're from one of the more liberal parts of Alabama, yes. people are like, oh, finally somebody's out here making this beautiful work about our history, and they get the chance to see it. Yeah. And we now that everybody has to come and visit you in Chicago. Yes, it's true. <laughs> During the winter. Yeah. That's when I need visitors. <laughs> now, we were talking earlier uh, off mic about, uh, you know, how busy 2018 was for you, but I don't imagine that you're going to rest on your laurels for 2019. What, are, what do you have in the pipeline? What are you working on? I have several group shows coming up. One is here in town, also at the Smart Museum. It's based on floriography, just the language of flowers. Oh, beautiful. It's really popular in 19th century Victorian England. So I was actually looking at the state flowers of the American South for their older meanings mm-hmm. um, and created a pattern out of that for a flocked white on white wallpaper. So listen to this. You know how like rose equals love? Yeah. You know? Old, these old Victorian floriographic dictionaries, Alabama state flowers, the camellia. And it means my destiny is in your hands. Oh, my. Right? <laughs> Delaware is the peach blossom. I am your captive. I burn for you. Welcome me. Let me go. It's beautiful That's language. Gorgeous. Yeah. I'm one of your newest fans, and we hope that uh, folks will enjoy uh, the show at the Art Institute. And we want to get the info for the folks, and we're going to share all of this on our social media as well. BethanyJoyCollins.com is where you can go to take all of this in with your eyes and uh, go to a museum next month. You get some culture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. 